he told me that he had made a quarter million dollars on one real estate investment that he'd gone into with some some other partners of his in his 401k. And he didn't have a ton. I mean, he had a decent sized account, but it wasn't like he had a $10 million 401k or something. And he said, you know, it would have taken me like 10 years to make that much money doing what I was doing before. So what are we talking about here? This is the brilliance of the self-directed IRA. If you're self-employed, if you're a gig worker or solopreneur, you've come to the right place to learn how to retire wealthier, retire sooner, and retire happier. This is the Rogue Retirement Lounge. Okay, so today I am really psyched to be interviewing someone who literally, through his services, changed my life. Uh, his name's Jordan Shepard, and he's the CEO of Checkbook IRA. Uh, Jordan and his father, Steve Shepard, founded Checkbook IRA in 2004, and since then, Jordan has helped thousands of clients gain control of their retirement with the Checkbook IRA and solo 401k structures. As CEO of the company and with clients now in all 50 states and 34 countries, over the years, he has seen his clients invest in everything from real estate private equity and cryptocurrencies to off-the-wall investments such as thoroughbred horses, heavy equipment, offshore assets, and intellectual property. His focus is now beginning to move toward more advanced estate planning options within the retirement space, especially with after-tax accounts such as the Roth 401k. When he's not working, you'll find him reading, repairing books in his library, I wish I would have asked him about that, uh, or playing golf. He wants everyone to know that he is the current holder of the Shepherd Family Golf Trophy that he and his father Steve play for every year, and he also wants everyone to know that he doesn't take himself seriously in the slightest. Jordan Shepherd, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. So first, can you tell me how does one get into the business that you're in of helping people create self-directed IRAs? So my dad and I, I think around 2000, uh, I, I was born here in Oregon. I grew up in Indiana. And when I graduated high school, we moved back to Oregon just because of family and all that. My dad had done a lot of uh, real estate investing in northern Indiana and, and southern Michigan. And out of the blue, a friend of his called one day uh, from Michigan, an old uh, real estate investment buddy. And he, we were doing this deal that was, had some offshore stuff involved, and it was kind of a complex thing. And we were trying to figure out how to structure it. And a friend of his called and said, hey, there's a thing you can do with an IRA and you set it up with an LLC. And we were like, what? That doesn't sound like you can do that, you know. Uh, and this was back in the day when there was really nothing on the web that you could find about it. There was, I mean, just nobody was really setting these up. And so it was really a, a brand new thing. And so we looked into it, um, got hooked up with an attorney uh, that helped us get all set up and structure the deals that we were doing. And over the next probably three years or so, as we went out and did real estate and some other investments, you know how it is. I mean, you invest with somebody or you're loaning money back and forth and that sort of thing. And you always talk about how you're structuring stuff. And people would find out that we were using retirement money and it just blew their minds, you know, as it blew our minds when we first found out about it. And so- right. For probably three years, Dad and I just kind of informally helped people get set up. And I think we may have had like, 
I don't know, 30 or 40 clients or not clients at that point, but just people we'd helped and that we had helped set up. And one day dad and I were at lunch and he looked at me and he said, you know, there's a business here because nobody else seems to be doing this. And nobody really knows, like you call an attorney and even if they're a tax attorney, they, they haven't heard of this and it's not really their specialty, you know. So we decided to go ahead and start the company and we did that officially in 2004. Uh, and then ever since then, we've we've set people up and then eventually when the solo 401ks came out uh, in 2006, they made some changes with the Roth 401k that were pretty cool and that caught our attention. So we started uh, started setting up the solo 401ks as a plan document provider uh, and it just kind of grew from there. So, you know, now we have clients in, well, 50 states and I think it's I think it's 34 countries now. So oh, wow. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's kind of taken on a, a life of its own. But so we kind of just stumbled into it, you know, and I found I mean, now it's different because there's more stuff on the Internet about it and you can go find that stuff. Um, but a lot of people end up kind of stumbling into it. Like, you know, I'll, I'll get a call from someone who knows one of our clients and they'll say, yeah, I was talking with Joe, you know, at the coffee shop or at some <laughs> investor meeting. And, you know, he was talking about doing this and that and the other thing. So tell me about what you're doing and all that. So, uh, but I'm glad to see that the industry has grown. I mean, it's still a very small percentage of overall retirement accounts, but, uh, but the word is definitely getting out. And, and especially now, I mean, I'll, with all the stuff going on, uh, there are a lot of people that are looking to kind of diversify and, and do some other stuff. So uh, it's a fun industry to, to to work in for sure. Interesting. So so you guys were kind of informally helping people do this for, you say, three years before you really decided in earnest that's going to be your business. Yeah. I mean, before, I think it was more that we we just, we didn't think of it as a business until finally it was like, well, geez, we set up like 30 or 40 people. I mean, and we know what we're doing and, and uh, we're good at explaining things. And of course, we've done a bunch of investments ourselves and using them and in all different applications. So, so I think then it was when we kind of thought, well, you know, we're in a position where we could offer this and offer a good service. And, and, uh, and we do other things and own other businesses. But yeah, so I mean, it was it was just an informal thing for a few years there. And then we finally decided to make it, you know, a little bit more formal and put up the website and start doing articles and videos and all that sort of thing. So interesting. It's funny how uh, businesses kind of can kind of sneak up behind you and you don't uh, right. set out thinking that that's going to be the, your thing. And then it blossoms into right. your thing. So that's cool. Um, so, so, yeah. so what exactly is for the layman for, or for someone who has not heard of a self-directed IRA, can you give us the overall definition of what one is? Yeah. So I probably the best way that I could describe it is to kind of lead into it because most people know more about IRAs than they realize. I would say there are three levels of investing with an IRA. We'll save the third, which is the checkbook IRA for, for later. But the okay. first level, everybody knows. And that is you you have an IRA with some big brokerage firm like a Fidelity or a Charles Schwab or a Scott Trade or something, and you make contributions to it and you can roll money into it from previous you know plans. And then from there, you essentially buy, you know, stocks and mutual funds and maybe do some options trading. But essentially, you're investing mostly just in the stock market. 
Now, a self-directed IRA, just so people know, a self-directed, that's a little bit of a misnomer because a self-directed IRA, it's not like a different kind of IRA that you're opening up. It's still an IRA, still subject to all the same rules, still subject to all the same contribution limits. Um, the difference really is in the custodian. So if you had an IRA at a big brokerage firm, and let's say that there was a rental house down the street that you realized was a really good investment, it was going to cash flow out very well, and maybe you could even sell the thing in five years and double your money or something if it's an area that's really growing. If you called your brokerage firm and said, I want to buy that property in my IRA, they would basically say, well, hey, we're we're a broker. We only deal in publicly traded stuff, so right. we can't really help you with that. We can't process that. So a self-directed IRA is an IRA that's held by a self-directed custodian. And they're a custodian just like a big broker is, except they specialize in being able to process non-traditional investments for IRAs. So whether it's real estate or if you're wanting to do some hard money lending or maybe you want to own physical precious metals or like now crypto is a big thing. So if you wanted to buy crypto or something like that, a self-directed custodian is set up to process that through an IRA account, whereas, you know, like a broker type custodian just isn't set up to do it. So it's more that the custodian is different and that they can handle those kinds of non-traditional investments. Uh, that that's the best way I would describe a a self-directed IRA. Gotcha. Okay. So it's so in the eyes of the IRS, a, a traditional IRA and a self-directed IRA are basically the same thing. It, it's just the way that it's managed, or the the fact that there's a custodian is the difference. Yeah, and I the some context for that real quick would be when when IRAs first came out, because before four hundred one ks and employer sponsored plans and all that sort of thing came into existence, retirement stuff was really handled by long-term pensions, mm -hmm. which really was dominated by the insurance industry. You know, you work for a kind of like Ford, you know, for however many years, and then you retire and you get payments for the rest of your life. Ford would save money for, well, Ford, I mean, but these companies would save money for employees and then they would put that with insurance companies because it was so safe and they could guarantee then the payments would be made to the employees. Right. But then they kind of flipped the script a little bit and they came up with these IRAs and 401ks. And essentially what happened was when these new type of retirement accounts came out, the only companies that were really set up to be a custodian and hold these IRAs really were brokers. So it was more that when IRAs first came out, brokers were the ones that you would go open up the account with. And that kind of set the perception that you just invest in the stock market with an IRA. But from the beginning, like from the very first legislation that went through with IRAs, there was never any limitation on really what investments you could do. I mean, there were a couple limitations like life insurance and collectibles, but there was never uh, any limitation on what you could invest in. So I guess my point is it's not like IRAs were legislated into existence and then like 20 years later, some law was passed that then allowed you to do real estate and precious metals and all that. That sort of stuff was always allowed from the beginning. And then eventually over time, as more and more savvy investors began to look to the code and say, well, it allows me to do real estate, so why can't I do that? That's when you began to see the custodian industry begin to respond to that and over time slowly begin to offer those services. 
and and we're seeing that still on on the uptick more and more custodians are expanding out into different areas the big thing now is crypto that's kind of its own thing because of titling issues there but yeah it, it's always been allowed so there there is like when you go to the code in section 408 where they handle all the ira stuff there's no distinction between like a self-directed ira or a non-self-directed it's just an ira and then later on, it deals with uh, different restrictions on what investments you can do. But that pretty much has been left untouched uh, through the years, with, with a few exceptions. Okay, that's interesting. Well, I, I I didn't realize that. So basically, what you're saying is that by default, these brokerage houses kind of were the, the place where IRAs lived when they first came to be. But their limitation was that no brokerage house is going to help you buy gold coins, Right. And no brokerage house is going to, you know, write a check to the escrow company if you were going to buy a house or whatever. Exactly. So this was just kind of a natural evolution so that these other things that weren't necessarily prohibited, but that couldn't be done by a brokerage house could be accomplished. Yeah, exactly. And then eventually the market began to respond to that and fill in the different needs. And now, I mean, now there's not a whole lot you can't do with with IRAs now. Gotcha. So, I mean, even offshore investments and really, you know, complex stuff like that. I mean, you can do that uh, as well. There's no prohibition on, you know, buying property in Panama or owning part of a private company in India or something like that. So it, it's it's pretty cool to see the, the the ways, you know, again, the market has grown up around these accounts and, and, and you can just do so much more with them now. Interesting. Okay. Well, my next question was going to be, what is the advantage of the self-directed versus the uh a traditional ira but clearly the advantage is that you have way way more options to get into investments that have better returns right now one thing i would say self-directed iras typically just as self-directed iras if you do want to do some stuff in the stock market just kind of just your average trading and owning some just securities you really are generally best to go ahead and stick with a brokerage IRA because they're set up to really do that and do that well. You know, a lot of our clients will have both just like a normal IRA at some brokerage and just hold kind of normal stuff because they, but then they'll also end up diversifying out into the self-directed space because they want to hold some assets outside the market. So just depending on, on what somebody wants to do, the nice thing is you can do both or you can do one or do the other. It's kind of whatever fits your investment priorities best. So the audience for this podcast is self-employed people. Okay. And can you talk to me about why um, self-directed IRAs are so good for uh, self-employed people? Yeah. I mean, for self-employed people, there are a couple of different ways that you can set up self-directed accounts. Um, I mean, you can go, let's say like the SEP IRA route where you you know, that's a profit sharing IRA, basically, where you based on your income, you get to contribute usually about 25% of your of your income. Okay. The other way to do it is to do what you did and set up a solo 401k. Now that's a that's a different kind of structure, but it's still, I mean, it's still sort of the same thing in the sense that based on your income, you can make contributions. So I, I would say that self-employed people don't necessarily get an advantage as far as contributions to a self-directed account because those are the same. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but they definitely do get the control. And of course, the thing with most self-employed people is they tend to be 
much more independent in what they do. They tend to sort of want to handle their own stuff, you know, right. so that crowd is definitely the crowd that, that typically sort of seeks companies like ours out to, to set up these kinds of plans. So, so I would say more than anything that self-directed accounts just kind of fit in with the general thinking of, of self-employed people. Sure. Kind of like the control freak nature of uh, a lot of us entrepreneurs. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, I'll do it myself. And and I would say this too. I, I was talking with a client probably, I don't know, it was a couple of weeks ago and he's the, he's in Arizona. He's done very, very well in virtually all aspects of, of real estate. I mean, he was a real estate agent. He owned his own brokerage firm. He got into commercial real estate. Uh, partnered up with some guys that owned a, a construction company and, and owned part of that. And he was telling me, he said, you know, I have, I've saved and done a good job saving retirement money through the years. And I've got this huge chunk of money sitting in the stock market that's managed by some guy in New York. And he said, I don't know any, anything about the stock market. But he said, I do know real estate. And you're telling me I can take this big chunk of money or maybe part of it and go off and, and do the things that I know and I can manage my risk and you know, be able to, you know, read a market better and, and have better returns and also more stable returns. So definitely that is something that we hear from a lot of uh, self-employed people because they, you know, since there are so few restrictions on what you can invest in with these self-directed accounts, it generally means that whatever your specialty is, you can actually take some of your retirement money and go invest in that area. And then of course, the idea there is better manage it, better manage your risk, generally get some better returns. Right. But that's just the nature of the self-directed account. You know, I mean, you're the one that's that's doing that instead of having someone else tell you what's for breakfast, basically. So. Well, and that's, yeah, that's what I, I love about this is because to me, I, I've been harping on the fact that self-employed people, a lot of self-employed people are really bad at retirement planning just because mm -hmm. we, we live way out on the risk curve. We're, I mean, we're willing to quit a job and start a business. And so because of where we live on the, you know, the far right end of the risk curve, we also kind of tend to leave our retirement planning uh, as a, you know, an afterthought. Uh, and a lot of people are, a lot of self-employed right. people are kind of woefully unprepared. So what I tell people is that when you start a business, you need to start your your business that you're going to do, but also start your retirement as a business. And that's the mm -hmm. way that I've been treating my retirement ever since I started my account with you is I've been treating it like a business. I've bought houses, gotten into syndications, and then mm -hmm. I have to file a tax return every year on the account. So it's really is like having a second business and it's one of those deals where not only am I getting better returns, but also just by being focused on it, it's going to do better rather than having it just kind of languish in my E-Trade account. I'm actively right. participating in the management of my retirement planning. So it's uh, for me, it's been really ideal. Oh, yeah. And to your point, I mean, I think a lot of business owners, you're right. I mean, when they sit down and start talking about you know, business owners a lot of times are good at sitting down with a CPA. I mean, not all of them, but they're good at sitting down with a CPA and talking about, hey, what's the best way to structure my business and having these write-offs and kind of long-term right. planning. But I think when it comes to retirement stuff, just again, the the way that that most people think with retirement accounts, it's almost it's almost like you're being told what to do as opposed to having the control to be able to go do what you want. And I think, frankly, for a lot of business guys, 
they're that entrepreneurial part of their brain sort of switches off and they go, well, the heck with that. You know, I'm not going to let someone else tell me to save this and do that and then take 5% of my earnings every year. And, you know, and I end <laughs> right. up netting out at, you know, two and a half percent every year. So I think that's a big part of it. And I think, again, I think that's why self-employed people tend to respond so favorably to self-directed, just the idea of self-direction when they, when they finally hear about it someplace. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've got a lot of clients, you've got, uh, you know, well over a decade doing this going on two, um, mm -hmm. or yeah, two decades of doing this. So, um, can you talk about some of the success stories like that stand out in your mind of clients who've done really well, uh, investing through their self-directed IRAs? Yeah. I, you know, it's always fun to hear from clients. Uh, maybe it's on a specific deal. I mean, I, I had a guy who set up a solo K in, um, in, I think he was in San Francisco and he cut, this has been maybe a couple of months ago and he called, um, and we were, he had a question about something and we were going through, you know, whatever it was. And he, he told me that he had made a quarter million dollars on one real estate investment that he'd gone into with some, some other partners of his in his 401k. And he said, you know, I, and he didn't have a ton. I mean, he had a decent sized account, but it wasn't like he had a $10 million 401k or something. Okay. And he said, you know, it would have taken me like 10 years to make that much money doing what I was doing before. You know, I mean, it was just an account that was run by someone else. And I, I, you know, log in and look at how much I made every once in a while. And it was never, you know, it was never quite enough, you know, however much I was making. And of course he really knew real estate. And so he was now able to take that money and go do what he felt comfortable with. So uh, that's the story that stands out in my mind. And then just generally, you know, hearing from clients, maybe three, four, five, six, eight, ten 10 years down the road, uh, you know, saying, Hey, I'm so glad I did this. When I look at, you know, uh, maybe another business partner or a friend that, that is still kind of going the traditional route and they're just kind of eking away at whatever percentage they make each year. And I'm, you know, I'm looking now and I have a real chance of being able to retire early. Uh, that that's the other thing is clients, you know, telling me that, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm retiring five years earlier than I thought, or in some cases, maybe even 10 years earlier. Let's see other, other specific cases though. Oh yeah. So there was a client who he was a rancher or is a rancher. He owns a, a ranch in uh, Wyoming. And he had, he'd bought and sold a couple of ranches. He'd done very well. And he'd also been good about saving for retirement. So he had a decent sized retirement account when he found out he could self-direct. But he ended up uh, going into some cattle partnerships where he bought live cattle with his retirement money and partnered up with another rancher to have that other rancher basically run herd on all the cattle, you know, feed them all and make sure they're all doctored and so forth. And uh, same thing for him. I mean, he's a rancher. You know, he doesn't know anything about the stock market, doesn't care about that. In his case, he didn't actually need the money, but he had a, a disabled son and um, he and he was pretty severely disabled. I mean, to the point where he literally couldn't take care of himself. So he, he called me and told me once that he had made enough just in his in his investments to uh to basically put all that money in trust when he died so that his disabled son for the rest of his life could just live off of that money and would never have oh, to wow. worry about insurance or, or anything like that. So, so yeah, those kinds of stories, I mean, it, it's, 
you know, some days when you're, you've got calls and emails and everything's just, you know, sixes and sevens and you're kind of frustrated. It's, those are the times when, when it's nice to hear that stuff because it, it, it means that you're, you're having an actual impact, you know, uh, with people. And for us, you know, we're in Oregon. So some of our clients are local, but the vast majority are just spread out all over the place and we don't get to meet them. It's just over the phone or maybe on a Zoom call. So it's just, it's nice to have that kind of that touch point of, of, of actual, I guess, contact in a way where you've actually helped someone do something that means a lot to them. Uh, and that, that definitely makes it worth it. You know, it, it, it makes it fun and, and makes it feel like you're doing something that's useful and, and beneficial to people. That's super cool. And the, like your friend or your client who made that, that windfall of a quarter million bucks, mm-hmm. the, the thing to keep that we all need to keep in mind is that's, that's tax-free growth. So no matter how right. quickly or how, or how long it took that growth is tax-free, which is just, yeah. I mean, a beautiful thing. And if he were doing that outside, you know, he'd have the capital gains. And uh, so that's uh, a brilliant thing. And I, I'm among your clients who I figured out what I've done so far is shaving off at least seven years of my work life. That's awesome. Yeah. So I I, I, I thank you. And the other thing is, is if we have a, a stock market collapse, which mm-hmm. I mean, it, you don't have to listen to a lot of macroeconomics podcasts to to feel like there's we're heading towards a cliff. If that happens, and I still would have been in the market, my I mean, this my current plan could save me ten years or more, just because right. um, you know there's there's no guarantee that this this insane bull market is going to go on being an insane bull market. So. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say we, you know, we were we were obviously in business when the when the market crash and or the real estate crash came in, you know, 2006 and it was heartbreaking, you know, talking with people that would call in because they were they would like one guy I remember he worked for a security firm in California and he said he was about a year away from retiring. He'd um Ugh. he'd done very well and 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 the plan that he was in, the profit sharing plan that his company uh, had him in. They were doing some fairly high risk uh, investments that had done very well up until that point. And he ended up losing 75% of his account. And he said, oh, I'm going to have to go back to work. So, I mean, he ended up setting up a, a self-directed account and was, you know, did well and, and did his thing. But I mean, that sort of stuff, I've seen that, you know, I've seen that a full year or year and a half of people calling in just, you know, I lost half my account. I lost 40% of my account, you know, so it's a real thing, and and unfortunately, especially in employer plans. Oh yeah. Typically, you're so limited in what you can invest in. You know, you log in, and there's like three options, three funds that you can get <laughs> right. into. You know, and it's it it puts you in a position where you almost can't manage your risk. You know, someone else is managing that for you. So yeah, that's definitely you're right. I mean, who knows what's going to come down the pipeline? But whatever it is, I, I don't think it's going to be that great so yeah i i i fear for people who are you know in their traditional 60 40 portfolios or anything you know anything like that and my my buddies who have their their edward jones guy and uh, you know it's just i fear for them because it uh it could get nasty here in the next three to five years so yeah and it's not to say that you can't manage your risk with you know with like a brokerage ira i mean there are you know blue chicks uh, blue chip stocks and 
different ways to manage your risk where you you know you can make sure you're not going to lose half your account value but for a lot of people they they just don't think about it because a lot of times they're not really right. that involved in in managing their own stuff you know so yeah well, Jordan, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate this overview. Um, we are going to, in a future episode, get deep into the checkbook solo 401k. But for now, uh, can you tell my listeners how to learn more about you? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So uh, our website is our company name, checkbookira.com. And we have a lot of articles and videos and guides on there about self-directed IRAs, about solo 401ks, um, you know, a lot of articles talking about how, you know, how this and that works, like how do I buy real estate with one of these accounts or how do I make a hard money loan or what kind of precious metals can I buy and how do I store them and things like that. So we've always been really focused as much as we can on, on on education because it's important to us that clients understand how these accounts work because i mean if you understand how they work then you're in a position where you can make a decision on whether or not you know an account like this is going to fit in with what you're doing right you certainly don't want to just you know headlong into something before you kind of get your feet set so we try to spend a lot of time on that sort of stuff on our website so i would say that's the the best place to go to uh, we have a newsletter you can sign up for and different guides that you can that you can get just depending on what you're looking at. So that should be kind of a one stop shop for a lot of people that are wanting to get, you know, introduced to, to, to this sort of thing. And then you can kind of go as deep as you want to go. Okay. And uh, yeah, I remember when I was first doing my research, there was a bunch of videos I, I, uh, of your dad driving in his car. He would just turn on what a GoPro or something and just start freestyling through talking through all the elements of this. And I, I learned a ton. I kind of got my whole education in yeah. self-directed IRAs from those, those videos that you've got on the, on the site. So I highly recommend that people uh, to learn more about this stuff, go, the, the resources are all there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I should probably start doing that. We had a, we had kind of a studio set up with lighting and this and that, but it's such a pain, frankly, to, to shoot videos like that, that we just never shot them. And so dad just Right. Took his iPhone and had one of those uh, Joby things that he just hooked on to the rearview mirror and he just turned uh -huh. it on and just started talking. So I should probably start doing some of those too. But yeah, those have been really, uh, really popular with clients because they're just more of kind of an informal conversation about little tidbits of different subjects. Yeah. And they're really effective. I mean, and, and I learn, I personally learn much better feeling like I'm kind of in the room with the guy and he's talking to me rather than seeing a dude standing next to, you know, uh, his PowerPoint yep. slides where, I, you know, my eyes sort of gloss over. So anyway, uh, it was yeah, exactly. uh, checkbookira.com. Checkbookira.com. That's right. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right. Talk to you later. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com.